chapter 1. Book of Romans chapter 1. This morning we're going to begin to read with verse number 1. Romans chapter 1. Beginning to read with verse number 1. I'm thinking on the way up while I was walking up to the pulpit. I believe Judas could have preached behind that singing this morning. All right. I'm not saying Judas couldn't preach. He was probably a pretty good preacher from what we may know. You can be a preacher and not be saved, though. Do you know that? You can be a church member and not be saved. Do you understand that? You can know about God and not know God. You can know everything there is to know about the Lord Jesus and not know Him. I'm glad that I know Him. But better than that, I'm glad He knows me. Amen. That's what I'm glad of. I'm, I'm thankful that He knows who I am. One, one songwriter said, He knows my name. I'm glad He's got it written down. And it's written upon Him. Bless the Lord, it's written in the blood of the Lamb of Almighty God. Romans chapter 1, beginning to read with verse number 1. If you have your place and you're able, would you stand in honor of the reading of the precious Word of God? Romans chapter number 1, beginning to read with verse number 1. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised afore by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the Spirit of holiness, by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. Among whom, all are, are, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. To all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, grace to you and peace from our God, from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, thank you for the privilege this morning that you've allowed us to come to church first of all, Lord. Then you've allowed us to sit and hear what our ears have been privileged to hear this morning. Lord, the songs of Zion that would uplift the blessed name of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, you told us in your word that you would inhabit the praises of your people. And God, I pray today that we could in our hearts be lifting you up. Father, for what a great God you are and what great provisions you've made for us. In the unwilling manner, undeserving manner, God, that we live in. God, in the manner that we uh, are sinful creatures that's created like we are, that there is nothing good about us. God, you still loved us enough that you gave the only begotten of heaven. Lord God, the only begotten that you have, and you allowed him to come on this earth and take on the form of a man, to live 33 and a half years in a perfect way. Yet, Lord, to face death and die as a sinner would die on the cross of Calvary. But God, I'm glad it didn't end there. I'm glad, God, that he came victorious from the grave. And, Lord, today he sits, as we've already heard, saying, he sits in making intercession and pleads for me. And I bless your name, O God, for the Lamb of God, for the Son of God, for Jesus, my Savior. And God, this morning as we stand to preach, we sure do need your help, God. We need the unction power from the Holy Spirit of God. God, forgive me for the times that I forget that I need you. Forgive me for the times, God, that I... 
I don't acknowledge my need of you. God, help me, Lord, to trust in you and depend upon you even more. God, bless the preaching this morning. Would you anoint us? God, would you help us? God, that we can make Jesus real clear. Then, dear God, those that are lost and without him, God, could have be dealt with by the Holy Spirit of God, could be drawn with cords of love and mercy, and God could have the opportunity to repent and to believe in Christ. Forgive me, God, of my failures, of my sin and of my wrong, and use me, God, to be pleasing unto you. Preach me like a dying man to a dying world, and I'll praise you, for I do love you. For it's in Jesus' name I pray, and amen. Amen. Thank you. You can be seated. The, the, the book of Romans is a very interesting book. I love to read and to preach from the book of Romans. I, matter of fact, if the Lord says the same, I'm going to uh, be here for a little while in the book of Romans just preaching uh, from what the apostle uh, Paul is writing to the people, to the church, if you will. Uh, that's at Rome. There is a theme to the book of Romans. If you have ever studied the book of Romans, you know there is a central uh, theme to this book. And the, and the theme is... Uh, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm, I'm thankful today that there's still a need and there, there are still a few people around the planet earth that's still preaching the gospel as a means of salvation. I, I'm telling you now this morning that we live in a day when the gospel is probably the last thing that you hear much of anymore. You hear a whole lot about doing good. You hear a whole lot about, about being good. You hear a whole lot about self-justification but you don't hear a whole lot about the gospel anymore. The Apostle Paul, as he began this first began this letter to the Romans, we find that that he gives us a message here in verse number one. He said that he was separated unto the gospel of God. I'm going to preach to you, if I can, this morning for a little while on the subject of the gospel of God. Now, the gospel. According to what Webster's 1828 Dictionary says, uh, the gospel is the history of the birth. It's the history of the life, the actions, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension and doctrines of Jesus Christ. Sometimes we shorten that down and we say it's the death, burial, and the resurrection. But it's a whole lot more than that, if you will. It's a whole lot more than just uh, the death, burial, and the resurrection. It is, the gospel is the Lord Jesus. And he didn't just uh, uh, die or be born and, and die and, and, res and raise uh, or, or from the dead, uh, but he had a lifetime of teaching. He spent 33 and a half years uh, fulfilling the very law of God, and had he not done that, would have not been able to take away our sin debt. The Bible tells us that we are sinners and, and that we've all come short of the glory of God. The gospel is a revelation of God's grace to fallen man. It is uh, to allow us to know uh, that, ma that man that is so hopeless in this uh, life that we live, that God in his grace by the preaching of the gospel has given man an opportunity to come and be made whole and to be cleansed and to be presented holy before God as one of his children. It's called the gospel of God in Romans chapter 1 verse number 1. It's called the gospel of Christ in Romans chapter 1 and verse number 16. The Bible said there, Paul said, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. It's also called the gospel of salvation in Ephesians 
chapter 1 and verse number 13. Basically, all in all, the gospel is the good news to fallen man. After Adam's fall, depravity or the depravity of man was constant. Those of you that sat here this morning, there's not a one of us that are here. There's not a person in this world. There's not a person on planet earth in general that does not fall in the standard and in the, in the classification of being a sinner. We are all depraved in our nature. I don't care who you were born to. I don't care how holy your parents are. I don't care how sweet you've been all your life. You are in a depraved nature. You are separated from God at a time in your life. The Apostle Paul spoke of himself and said, I was alive without the law once, but then the commandment came, sin revived, and I died. There is a time when mankind must realize that you are short and you've come short of being able to please God in your own righteousness. The fallen, the, the, the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. After Adam's fall, we found that, that because of Adam's sin and because of his sin, that sin was passed upon all men. Every person that says, you say it's elementary. I know it, but it's the gospel. Just stay with me. The, the sin was passed upon all men, every individual, every man, woman, boy, and girl by their nature, not by their choice, but by their nature, they are sinners. And by our choice also, may I say, many of us choose that sinful way in our life, going against what God says that we ought to do. You see, it was no longer about a choice, but it was about our nature. Somebody said, well, I, I, you, got, you can choose to do what you want to do. It don't matter what you choose, you're still a sinner. It don't matter how, 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 well, how you choose it, you're still a sinner. There's not a one of us today, I don't care how many of you in here are saved, you're still a sinner. And you still have that depraved nature within you. Adam's fall began, uh, brought about man's depravity. Adam's fall brought about death's finality. I want you to know because of, uh, because of the fall of Adam and because of sin that we all got to, we all got to die. Death came to this earth because of sin. You're going to die one day. Why? Because you're a sinner. That's the reason you're going to die. That we're going to, This body is going to be laid in the grave one day. Why? Because it is a sinful cre a creation. It is a body that is made in sin. Hebrews 9, 27 said it is appointed unto man once to die and after this the judgment. Uh, this brought about if you will uh, the worst message uh, that man has ever heard. I'm talking about at this point in your life of the worst message that a man could ever hear in this part of your life is when God told Adam to leave the presence of God. Can you imagine what it must have been like when God said you're no longer welcome in Eden? You're no longer welcome where that I've had you. you. You've chosen rather to go the other way. You've chosen to go against what, what I wanted you to do. You made a choice and, and because of that choice you made, you have passed down and now you're depraved in nature. And Adam had to leave uh, the presence of a holy God, one that he walked with in the morning, one that he walked with in the cool of the day. He had to leave, Brother Mike, the very presence uh, of that holy God. Could you imagine 
what it must be like, uh, what it would be like uh, uh, for you, uh, for me, uh, to look at my son and say, son, you're no longer welcome in my presence. Uh, uh, son, you no longer can be around me. I, I can't be in your presence and you can't be in mine. Leave. The can you imagine what it must have been like for Adam to hear the message to get away? You say, preacher, well, I don't believe that happened. God, God provided a, 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 a lamb. God provided a high He did, thank the Lord God. But I'm telling you what, Adam was no longer permitted because Adam was a sinner. He couldn't stay in the presence of God any longer because Adam was a sinner. He had to get out of Eden. You don't find God ever coming walking in the cool of, day, of the day with Adam any longer. You see, it severed Adam's relationship with God. Ain't that right? Y'all okay this morning? It, 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 not only did it sever his relationship with God, it, it secured the depravity in man. That's what it did. Not only did it sever the relationship and, and secure depravity, but it sealed eternity for man. Because of that, man had to die. Without a blood atonement, without a blood sacrifice that was not a, I'm not talking about one that was able to roll back sin. I'm talking about one that was able to take sin away. I'm not talking about one that was able to blanket back from year to year. I'm talking about one, Brother Daniel, that was going to wash it away where it never be no more, where it could never be thought of, where it would never be mentioned again. I'm talking about without that sacrifice. Hey, and without that sacrifice, man was certainly in trouble. What can man do now to regain what Adam lost? Nothing. I mean, y'all got quiet right there because you're thinking you can do something to get yourself to heaven. Some of you got quiet. You see, the gospel has nothing to do with you. The gospel has nothing to do with your ability or your capability. The gospel has nothing to do with your power or your, uh, your, your willingness or the, the might that you have in yourself. You see, Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 8, the Bible said in the Scripture, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith. The Bible said he preached the, uh, preached the gospel unto Abraham, uh, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. I, if I understand things right, I believe Abraham heard the gospel. Abraham heard the gospel for thousands of years. The ancients of old waited on a Messiah to come and to take away what uh, that Adam caused. You see, in the book of the, uh, Genesis chapter 3, we'll get there in a minute. I don't want to get the head, car to the head of the horse, but, but we find where that God uh, sent the first prophecy himself uh, that I'm going to send somebody uh, that's going to bruise the head of the serpent. I'm going to send somebody that's going to be the Messiah. I'm, you see, from that day on, man began to look forward uh, to somebody that would come and someone uh, that would be able uh, to fulfill what God would say is enough, uh, what God would say is good good enough and I'll accept what, that's, what that, that's, that atonement is. Now you listen to me. In Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11 the Bible said this. We're getting into this season and this just so happens to fit right in with what we're preaching this morning. Luke chapter 2 and verse number 11 for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord. I got to thinking about who it was that the angels were talking to that day. He didn't go to Herod's house. 
and say, Herod, unto you, the king is born this day in the city of David. He didn't go to Pilate's house and say, Pilate, unto you is born this day in the city of David. But he went to the most sinful. He went to the most downtrodden. He went to the most hated. He went to the dirtiest and those that may have been thought the least of, the least of in all of humanity. Those were shepherds that were tending the fields. That the Lord sent angels unto them. Woo, listen to me. The Lord sent angels unto them and said, Brother Daniel, them old lowly shepherds, them old, uh, them old nomads in the land out there, he said, unto you, for unto you, for unto you is born this day. That old sinful one. The one that's not that knows how sinful they are. The one that knows how ungodly they are. The one that knows uh, just how filthy they are in their. Uh, for unto you is born this day in the city of David. In other words, I'm sending him for you. I'm giving him for you. I'm allowing him to be born for you. Uh, you that's been in adultery. You that's been in, on drugs. You that's been in this and that. You that's been on this way and that way. God said, I'm sending him for you uh, so that you can have life and have it more abundantly for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior which is Christ the Lord you see this is a we heard about the worst message that a man could ever hear but I want you to know there's a greater message and there's no better message that a man can ever hear than God said unto you is born today a Savior I want you to know God didn't leave us undone he didn't leave us in a depraved way he didn't say you're going to hell and there's nothing can be done about it but there's nothing we can can do about it there's nothing that we can do about it if there would have been, po been possible and brother Brad we could have done it ourselves but God said there's no way Bible said as Moses lifted up the serpent of the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Uh, I thought about those in the in the wilderness when those brazen, when those serpents were biting, and uh, and and God told Moses, "You build that brazen serpent, you lift him up on a pole, and if they'll look, they'll live." He didn't say they had to run there and confess everything they knew to that serpent. He didn't say they had to run down there and do three Hail Marys and four this or that. But he said, if they'll look, they'll live. If they'll look, they'll live. Can I tell you that there's been one hung on the cross of Calvary. And listen, he, he took away the sin of mankind. He said, it's finished on the cross. He gave himself to die for you and me. When, God, when it was all done, God said, it's well. It's okay. It's acceptable unto me. And Jesus said, it's finished. I want you to know, friend, that when that took place there. Uh, you can look at him. You can believe on him. And you can live today if you will. Number one, we find that the gospel is a promised message. Verse number two. The Bible said which he had promised afore by his prophets into the Holy Script, in the Holy Scriptures. It is a promised message. I told you in Genesis 3 and 15 the Bible said and I will put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed, it shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. When God is pronouncing judgment on Adam and on Eve in the garden, when God is pronouncing that judgment there, he tells Adam the, all the things that he's going to be doing 
He's no longer welcome in the, in garden, in the garden of Eden. He tells the woman that she's going she's gonna to suffer in childbearing. What he said. That's God's plan. Why? Because of Eve's sin. Because of Adam's sin. She, she, she tempted Adam and the devil tempted her and she succumbed to the devil. We know the story. But God didn't leave it undone there. That scripture right there is the prophecy. There's coming a Savior. I believe when, I, when Eve began to have children, you see there's some things that we read over in the scripture. There's some things that we just don't understand, especially being babes, if you will, you may not understand but God didn't say it was going to be of the seed of man that this child was going to come. God didn't say he was going to bruise the head of the serpent with the seed of a man. Y'all okay with that? God, God didn't say that there was going to be one that's going to be of the seed of a man. Listen, me and you are here today. You know why? Because there was a man and there was a woman involved. There is the seed of man. Without the seed of man, it's incapable, it's impossible by human knowledge and a human ability for conception to take place without a man and a woman. I don't care what they say in D.C. I don't care what they say when nowhere else. I'm telling you today, it's still one man and one woman that make up the family unit. And brother, you know, you're not a family unless you're that way. That ain't popular, I know, and I don't, I don't give a rip anymore. That's what a family is. That's the way conception takes place. That's the way. But I'm looking here at the scripture, and he said it's going to be the seed of a woman. How in the world is that going to happen? You see, there wasn't no man involved in the thing when Jesus was born. The Bible said Mary was tending to her own business. She was just serving and loving on God. And then one day she was overshadowed by the Holy Spirit of God and miraculously in her womb conceived a child. That child was a God child. It wasn't a man child. He's a God child. He was perfect. He was not created in the manner of man and in the image of, I reckon you'd say, of way of, of, with man's uh, depraved nature, but he had the nature of God. Uh, the Bible tells us that he was God come in the flesh. Hey, listen to me. I want you to understand that this is a promised message. This is what these ladies, can you imagine, down through years, uh, every woman that may have had a child, uh, she said, I wonder if this is going to be him. You know what the Jews are doing today? They're still looking for a Messiah today. They're still waiting on a Messiah today but the only one that's ever been born of the seed of woman has already, already appeared it's a promised message not only is it a promised message look with me in verse number 3 and 4 we find that it's a predetermined message concerning his son Jesus Christ our Lord which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh notice verse 4 and declared to be the Son of God with power. The word declared there means determined. That's what it means. Declared to be the Son of God with power. I got to thinking about this, and there's a lot of folks that y'all heard songbook theology? Just suppose God searched through heaven to find one willing to be the supreme sacrifice he had given. That's a big a bunch of heresies ever been saying. There ain't no gospel to that. What do you mean, preacher? That's a good song. No, it ain't. It ain't it, it, absolutely not. God didn't have to search nowhere. 
There, there wasn't any, God didn't shut around after Adam's sin in the garden, wringing his hands, saying, what am I going to do now? I want communion with man. What am I going to do now? Oh, no. God, uh, there's nothing that happened uh, that God would say uh, what, what he's going to do. Nothing caught God by surprise. I'm telling you, it had been declared. It had been declared, Revelation chapter 13 and verse number 8, and all that dwell upon the earth shall worship him whose names uh, are not written in the book of life of the Lamb, uh, slain uh, from the fire foundation of the world before there was a world form in the mind of God. Jesus had already went to Calvary before there was a, ever a conception of sin. God had already provided a way. I'm glad today that there's a way that's been provided. Jesus told Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. When Adam sinned, God had already provided a way. It was not through the obedience of the law, through the obedience of the law, or of any offering. It's always been by faith in the Son of God. You say, but it ain't always been. The, ain't never been a day when they wasn't a God. Had never been a day when they wasn't a Jesus. Hadn't there never been a day when they wasn't a Holy Ghost? I want you to know God knew it, and He told them this is going to happen. And every saint, every person ever got saved, Brother Micah, from Genesis to Revelation, got saved the same way. That's looking to a day when Jesus would die. They looked ahead. Today we look back. We got the advantage on them. We can look and say it's happened. Thank God I got a Bible. What they had was also the words of God. Abraham looked for a city. Adam looked for a son. And God provided a Savior. Ain't you glad? For the gospel of God. It's a promised message. It's a predetermined message. Number three, it's a powerful message. Look at verse four. And he declared to be the Son of God with power. With power. You see, this message never has been preached without evidence. This message was presented with power. No one, I, I mean, I say no one had ever been made alive before like Jesus was made alive. I, I'm talking about after death. I'm talking, you say, what about those he rose from the dead? They had to die again. But there ain't nobody ever conquered death like Jesus conquered death. There's no one that's ever defeated death. What about Legion? He had to die again. I don't know when it happened. Not Legion, but Lazarus. What about Lazarus? He had to die again. What about the widow's son? He had to die again. But Jesus didn't have to die again. Hey, he, he conquered death. None of, not all of those, out of all of those that died before that, that, that the Lord rose up, no one had ever been made alive like Jesus. No one had ever came from the grave with the keys of death and of hell. In other words, he owned it. He owned I went. We went to, uh, back in 2020, I went to the Ford place in, uh, in, in Hattiesburg, and I, we picked out that, 
that explorer and, and I said I want it and they made me sign some papers I signed my name there and the old boy gave me uh, the keys to that car uh, what that is is saying that this here belongs to you now uh, you're in total control of it uh, you do, hey let me tell you what Jesus did when he got when he conquered death hell and the grave uh, he got the keys brother Daniel he, 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 death and hell has no dominion over the son of God it has no dominion over those uh, that put their faith in the son of God too thank God why because our father has the keys He's, he has the keys of death nobody ever done that no, nobody ever come back with such power as the Lord Jesus came back. No one, no one ever rose on their, their own power from the grave. God always had to raise them up. And when God raised him up, you know what? He raised him up with great power. No one ever touched lives after they died like Jesus touched lives. Hey, some of you sat here this, this morning, and you know why you're sitting here in a victorious manner? It's because one day Jesus come in, you run into, into him. One day he came by your way one day you put your faith in him and he changed your ever dying soul he gave you something to live for you never had nothing before but because of him now you've got some reason to live nobody ever done that before you know he he's still changing lives today it's a promise message it's a predetermined message it's a powerful message number four and I'll be done it's a proven message verse number five he said by whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith it's proven in Saul who later become Paul Paul said I received grace and apostles you know hey Listen up here. Be good for you to look up here. You know what? Paul was a proven hater, or Saul was a proven hater of the Lord. He had no need for Jesus. He was a, not only a hater of Christ, he was a hater of the church. And he was a hunter of Christians. But he's described himself in verse number one. Paul a servant of Jesus Christ called to be an apostle separated unto the gospel of God. Oliver B. Green said the gospel of God is the widest possible designation of the whole body of redemptive truths. The gospel of God declares that he is God of the Gentiles also and not just of the Jews. The gospel of God declares and reveals the doctrine of grace. You see, I'm not going to heaven because I deserve to go to heaven. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a Baptist. I'm not going to heaven because I wear a suit and tie. But I'm going to heaven because there was a day that I saw myself in need and I was depraved in my nature and I realized my sinfulness 
Brother Bradley was reading, talking about Ruth this morning. I was writing stuff down there. I preached to it about two years ago, but, but I, I seen some things this morning with, with that clothing, with that, with that bathing, with all that, that, that Ruth was doing there and, and everything. I, I saw my, you know, you don't go bathe unless you're dirty. Some folks don't do it then. But I find where Naomi, where Naomi told Ruth, you go and wash yourself. And she didn't, I didn't find where they had an argument, Brother Mike, about it. But I find where she must have went and washed herself. In other words, she must have knew she was dirty. You know what? One day, Brother Daniel, I come to the reality that I knew I was dirty. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I needed a Savior. I, I, I didn't present any arguments to say, oh, but God, look, look at this one over here and look at that one over Oh, no, uh, because I seen me and I knew me and I knew I, my thoughts. I knew what I was going. I knew what I was doing. I knew what goes through my head and what my life was about. I didn't have no room to look at anybody else. Every time I wanted to look at somebody else, he'd show me Jesus. And I said, I don't meet up. I'm short. I'm short. But God said, he's not. Now you just trust him. How many of you today ever come to the place where you realize that you're depraved? You realize that you're a sinner. You realize that, you, that you're dirty. You realize that you're wicked. Those thoughts that you think nobody else knows about that goes to your mind, those ungodly thoughts, you know what? There's a God in heaven that knows every one of them. He's got, hey, there's a God that knows everything about you. He knows every secret thought and imagination that you have. You may set yourself up to be somebody, but God knows exactly who you are. Revealed unto us the doctrine of grace, and that is that we're undeserving, but yet I'm still giving you an opportunity. You're undeserving, and I'm undeserving, but I love you, God said. I love you so much that I give my son to pay your sin's debt, one that you couldn't pay yourself. The gospel of God declares and reveals our position in God's economy. The gospel of God declares that, and re reveals that we are not a continuation of Israel, but we're the church. The gospel of God assures, though, that he has not forgotten Israel, and he's not forsaken them. Listen to me. There's no two or three gospels, but there's one gospel reaching many areas in our life. The gospel illuminates our life with the truth and compares us with the Holy One of Israel. The gospel of God shows us that God gave His only Son. So me and you could have redemption. The gospel of God did not say you get to heaven because you wear skirts long enough to drag your skirt, your, your tracks out behind you. The gospel of God does not declare that because you wear a necktie and a three-piece suit to church that you're going to heaven. And by the way, both of those things are all right and good. But the gospel of God makes big Jesus. And it lifts him up into a lost and dying world. And it says, don't look at me, but look at him. The gospel of God don't point to man's ability 
but it, it shows man his inability and said God took care of your inability when Jesus hung on the cross for you. The gospel of God, which is also the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, which is also the gospel of salvation. The gospel exposes our true selves. When you say that, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Anybody in here this morning sinless? Y'all look back there at Troy. Look back there. Everybody turn around and look. Jack, look. Stand up, Troy. Y'all see that precious little thing is in his arms? Y'all see her? She's going to die and go to hell one day if she don't trust Jesus. She's a sinner. She's a sinner. Oh, I can't believe you'd say something like that. I'm telling you, you the same way. If you don't trust Jesus as your Savior, you're going to die and go to hell. If you don't trust the Lord, if you don't get born again, you're going to die and go to hell. Put your God-given eyes on me this morning, friend, because I want you to know that there's a gospel that's been sent to you. There's a Savior that died for you. and He's the only hope you have. He exposes our true selves, but that's not all. You know what he does? He offers reconciliation. I'm glad that we can be reconciled, how, Brother Daniel, through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ through the precious blood that he shed that can wash away our sins through the finished work of Calvary on the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross and because of an empty tomb we can be reconciled unto God the gospel message you see it's still a powerful message it's a positive message it's a proven message I'm here today because somebody preached the gospel. Oh, I'm glad. I'm glad today I'm here because some old man of God didn't try to get so fancy and didn't try to, to, to dress up any preaching, but he just told me what I was and told me where I was headed, but told me there was a way I could be reconciled unto God. Remember, I was preaching one Sunday at Bethel Hill Baptist Church several years ago, and they had an old Methodist preacher. He was an old Methodist preacher, one of the old-time Methodist preachers. I believe the old man knew the Lord. I believe he's saved. The name of Brother Savarese. He sat back there. He was there every Sunday, Brother Mike. He, he loved to come. He loved to hear me preach, and he, he was there all the time. And I, I preached on that, uh, that Shunammite son one Sunday morning. And I preached about, uh, you know, uh, about it is well. That's what I preached. And I, and I got through preaching. I was preaching about that thing about it is well and, and how that Shunammite woman said that, that even though that child was dead, that it was well. And, and I, 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 when I got through preaching, I mean, I shut it down, offered invitation. It was all, all done. We got to eating lunch. We ate at his daughter's house that day. And uh, I sat down there at one end of the table. He said on the other end of him, the sweetest, most meek, meek way he did. He could say it. He said, oh, preacher. I said, yes, sir. He said, you going to finish that message tonight? And I said, what do you mean finish that message, Brother Savarese? He said, that boy didn't stay dead. He said, he raised him up. He said, I don't believe you ought to quit right there. Because God reconciled. God fixed the problem. And that's what God done for me. 
That's what God done for you. He didn't leave me dead. He didn't leave me dead. He gave me a way of reconciliation. He gave me a way that I could be saved. I was lost in my sin. Even though I was just an old boy, I was still going to hell. I didn't even realize what I was facing. But God did. Whoo, let that sink in just a minute. Brother Dean, let that go home with you just a minute. I didn't realize what I was facing, but God did. And God knew what I had in store for me if, I, if he didn't provide a way. And he said, I believe I'll give a lamb. I believe I'll let my son go and die. I believe I'll hang him on the cross of Calvary. I believe I'll turn my back and, let, and, and forsake him there. And let him hang there with every sin of every man, of every woman, of every boy, of every girl piled upon him. I believe I'll allow him to die so that you can be saved. I got one son. You listen real close to me. Look up here at me. I got one son. I love my son. Uh, Brother Silas, I love Sadie. I love him with everything that I have in my being. But perhaps, Brother Brad, there come a day when your heart would give out. When your heart would get so weak that the doctor would tell you, you need a new heart if you're going to live. You, you need a new heart. Your family gets to searching, wheel gets to searching, they do the tests that they need. And of all the people in the world, there's only one heart that's compatible with your heart. And that heart belongs to my son. Perhaps my son comes to me and says, Daddy, Daddy, I love old brother Brad. Brother Brad's got a big family. Got new grandbabies coming. Daddy, so he'll have a future. I'm willing to give my heart so that Brother Brad can live. The operating rooms are open. They take each one, Brother Brad, in one side and saith my son in the other side. Before they open up, Brother Brad, you see, when my son gives his heart, there's not another one for them to put in him. So what they got to do first is they lay my son down and they, they open up his chest and they pull out his heart. They disconnect it from his body. Life leaves his body. He's dead. He's no longer alive. They take this heart over to Brother Brad and 
They say, okay, Brad, we're fixing to put you under now and put the heart of Seth inside of you. Just imagine this. But Brother Brad would say, you know, I've been laying here thinking. Really been considering this thing, and I, I'm just willing to take my chances with the heart I got in my chest right now. I'm willing to take my chances. I'm sorry that what's took place has took place. But I, I believe I want to get out of here and I, I don't I don't I'm sorry. Tell that man's family that I'm sorry. They disconnect the tubes. He dresses and walks out with the same heart he walked in with. They're laid on a stretcher. The one that gave the supreme sacrifice that gave it all so that he could live. How do you expect I'm going to respond to that? That's my only son. I love him more than I love any other man on this earth. I love that boy. You say, what's that got to do with anything? Hey, some of you are doing Jesus that same way today. He gave his life for you. And you're standing at the brink right now this morning of decision. Of whether I'm going to acknowledge that I'm a, I'm a lost person and trust him. Or whether I'm going to turn him away one more time. You say, I don't understand how God can let anybody go to hell. Think about what you've done with his son. Think about what you're doing with his son. Might be real good this morning for you to trust the one that died for you. The same will come to the piano player. The gospel of God. Look up here at me. It made a way so that you could be saved. Spurgeon said that we never try to get people to come to the altar. We never preach come to the altar. But we say we preach come to the cross. I don't know when we started altar calls, but that's what we do today. I'm telling you, you're not going to get saved until you come to the cross. I ask you to stand to your feet this morning. The invitation is open. You're here this morning. You say, preacher, I know I'm lost and I want to get saved this morning. I want to get born again this morning, preacher. Why don't you come? I can't save you. But I know somebody who can. Would you come this morning? Would you come while he's calling? Don't let him pass by. Don't pass him by. Would you come while the Savior's calling?